It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And, th- and you know what? That wouldn't even be a debate. Tom, welcome the to the Uncle Cleaver Show. You're, you're too kind, but thank you very much. Tom, Great you know, to be with all of you. You know we believe that from the bottoms of our hearts. Um, and and it, when I have to uh, be away from an Indians game, Guardians now, and I can't get the radio – um, I kind of play, I, I keep it on my phone and I'll see some of the, you know, the, the game cast comes over and I pretend I understand what you're saying, how you would have called that particular play. It's great for me. I, I, we got to get into the Guardians, but I've been wanting to ask you this for years. I've known you, I've worked with you for a long time. I, I've never asked you who was your favorite play-by-play guy growing up, and I'm dying to know that. You know what, Jay, I think we're all um, a product of our environment or where we grew up. And, you know, we were dairy farmers um, in Wisconsin, um, about uh, half an hour outside of Madison, an mm. hour from Milwaukee. And so uh, back in those days, you know, you, you listened to, on a transistor radio literally at nights and anybody that grew up on a farm knew you didn't have anybody next door to play with. And so <laughs> the radio was your best friend. And for me, it was Earl Gillespie. Uh, back in the old Milwaukee Braves days, of course, I'm dating myself, but, uh, you know, they were in Milwaukee uh, when I was just a kid. And and uh, so I grew up listening to Earl Gillespie, loving Hank Aaron. Um, he was the guy that uh, all of us uh, wanted to be when you were growing up in Wisconsin and was lucky enough to meet Hank later on in life. And, and he was he was about as good a human being as, as I've ever come across. And in my mind, still the greatest player in the history of baseball. You know, Tom, um, at this point, you've been doing it for so long. What is your prep like um, for the game? Do you just show up and be like, I know all these players. I know what I'm doing. I'm on it. Or or do you go through a specific routine? There probably are some listeners that think I just show up. And, uh, <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> That's the nature of the beast, but... Uh, no, you know, like today we have an off day in San Diego, so you don't have as much prep work to do as you normally would have. But uh, I, I probably put in four or five hours at home every day, whether it's on the Internet or whether it's talking to people around the game. And, you know, there are various people that when you've been in the game as long as I've been, you can call whether they're other general managers or 
scouts or whatnot. And then I think it's most important to get to the ballpark. I'm at the ballpark at a minimum four and a half to four hours before the first pitch. That's when you have a chance to, to really talk to players, coaches, you run into scouts, um, a chance maybe to visit with other people on the other team. Um, the thing about baseball, we're lucky in that you've got that access every day. But the closer you get to game time, you know, the more locked in players are too. So the earlier you can get there, um, the more relaxed they are. And, and um, you can get maybe some stories you can use during the course of that broadcast. This year, we've had so many of those cases where, <clears throat> excuse me, you you wanted to get to the park early because we've had 14 kids make their major league debuts. Mm-hmm. So it, it's fun to get their stories and who's going to be at the park and how they got told by the manager they were coming up and, and you know, their journey to get to the big leagues because uh, for any kid that puts on a, a baseball uniform, that's like winning the lottery the day you get called up to the major leagues. It's no different than any other sport. I, I don't care who you are. Just to have been a pro player for one minute is is quite an accomplishment. I feel like I want to do this interview with my eyes closed because I don't really <laughs> it's like I don't want to see Thomas. I just love hearing his his voice because there's something magical as a kid who grew up. You know, I grew up in New York, Tom, and and I didn't have cable when I was a kid. I mean, I don't even think there was cable in Brooklyn where I grew up and I would listen to the Mets on the radio. I listened to the Yankees on the radio. I listened to the Phillies. Harry Callis was my favorite as a kid. I mm-hmm. loved listening to him on the Phillies broadcast. I could picture him call. I mean, I could still hear his voice at all these years later. And I love it. I love listening to your voice. There's something magical still to this day, even with all the cable and a million ways to watch games. To me, there's still something magical about listening to the radio. Uh, now it's on my phone half the time, but there's still something magical about a hot summer day, maybe drinking a beer and listening to a baseball game. It is special. It reminds me of being a kid and, and listening to baseball with my dad. Well, thanks. I, yeah, I appreciate it. And I think um, that's what's made our game special as far as radio. And as, as you were mentioning, Adam, now with the way the world has changed, I mean, we've made the world so much smaller. Yeah. Where, you know, you're getting letters from people in England because of the Major League Baseball app that they're able to follow their favorite club if, if they've moved uh, to Europe or whatnot. I think the beauty of our game and the advantage that we've had from a radio standpoint is, look, if, if you grow up in the Midwest or in the Northeast, like so many of us did, you don't want to spend the next 162 nights inside or days inside watching a game. Nothing against watching a game because obviously television does a, a phenomenal job, but it's every day. So not too many people you know, are, are going to want to be cooped up after they were cooped up all winter long. And I think we have an advantage that way with our game. When it's played, people want to be out and about, whether they're golfing or fishing or or doing whatever with right. families. I mean, if, if you have a football game, it's appointment viewing and yes. and also listening, but it's once a week. And um, and when you talk about the NBA, you know, especially in the Midwest, I mean, um, a lot of people are listening to really good people like Tim Elkhorn do the Cavs, but you're indoors at night because it's cold out and you're probably more likely to watch the game. So we have an advantage that way, I think, in radio because of the time of the year with a game of baseball. So Tom, tell me, tell me uh, about this. I mean, we're on a, we're on a magical run here, dude. And I, I know you're around the guys all the time. How excited are they to be in this position? Because I don't think anybody in town thought that we would be sitting where we are at this point in time. 
and that includes me. <laughs> so <you're... laughs> I mean, if you're being perfectly honest, I thought it would be, and it has been a growing year. Um, but I didn't see this ball club being in first place on August 22nd. And that's a credit obviously to the entire organization, uh, the scouts, the player development people, Chris and Cherney at the, the top of the food chain on the baseball side of it, but in particular to Tito. Um, you know, we have a manager that every game we play in, and this is not to disparage any other manager, but I think every game that Cleveland plays in, we have the advantage in the dugout. And I just think he's as good a manager as I've ever seen. Um, he's a future Hall of Famer. He creates a culture, and um, you guys know what that's all about, whether you're former players that I know that are there in your studio or or even the, the rest of us that have been in broadcasting and whatnot or any walk of life. Culture changes everything. Every yeah. successful business has a great culture. Mm -hmm. And that's been created by Tito and his coaching staff. And, you know, we're here in San Diego, which is the hometown of our catcher, Austin Hedges, who, <clears throat> in asking him about all these rookies coming up, because, you know, it's one thing to have a surprising year, which, which were, I think, above uh, where we thought we'd be maybe at this point a year ago. But to do it with 14 different kids making their major league debut, and, and Hedgie was saying, I know what it was like for me when I was a rookie and I was not felt welcomed in the clubhouse. You know, there was that old school mentality of, you know, Hey, you're the rook, you know, rookies still need to be seen, not heard. And I think our kids have done a great job of coming up and being seen and not heard. And as Tito has told the young players, guys, the moment the veteran players know your only mission that day is to help the club win, you'll be accepted. Too many times kids come up from the minor leagues. It's a numbers game. You're, you're trying to accumulate my numbers when you're in the minors. That's the way you get moved up. You get to the big leagues, and if you're concerned about your numbers and not concerned about winning that game, you won't be accepted. And so Hedgie said, we as veterans have made sure to let them know they're welcome. They can help us win. They do things the right way. There's no reason to go through this hazing, so to speak. And so it's created a great culture in the clubhouse, but that starts with Tito. And guys, I think it, it's refreshing again in that it proves you can win in whatever sport it is. Sometimes your talent might not be at the level of the Yankees and with the experience that they have and the amount of money that they're paying. But how many stories have we seen in sports down through the years if you've got the, the right culture, the right mindset, everybody's pulling on the rope, all of the, the trite phrases that we've heard, but you're all pulling in the same direction. Um, that's the beauty of sports. That's why we play the games. Yeah. And I think this has been an, a, an incredible year for that. And, and who knows where this is going to go, but you've got a chance every day to go to the ballpark now and play a meaningful game. And, and that's big this time of year. Tom, I want to ask you about the, the mid-90s teams because that's what I grew up on. But before <laughs> I get to that, we had Chris Antonetti on. I was doing radio last week, and I said, is this team ahead of schedule? And he didn't really want to go there, but obviously they are. I think we can all agree on that. Is there yeah. one player, when you mentioned the 14 guys who have made their debut, is there one player or two players that have really surprised you? I look at a guy like Oscar Gonzalez. The scouting report on him was a lot of raw power and a lot of swing and miss. He's hitting 300. 
and he's just a rookie, right. but he's hitting 300. And obviously, Quan has been terrific and exceeded expectations. But of the 14, I guess, in particular, is there anyone who's really stood out and emerged to you as showing you something that you didn't realize they had? Stephen Quan. You know, you mentioned them there, Jason. And, and really, I could go down the list on pretty much all of them because they've all, for the most part, played a part in winning games. And uh, that, that's been the amazing thing. So many of these rookies have come up and just exploded initially. Now there's a leveling off, and it's a game of adjustments. And so when the league adjusts, you have to be able to adjust. And if you don't, then obviously you're going to be back in the minor leagues. But, I mean, he's not very big, for one thing. Mm. And, you know, at best, Stephen Kwan is 5'8", but he's wiry, strong, um, he's been a kid that's probably been told his whole life that, you know, make sure you get your education because you're going to need it when your playing days are over here in the next year or so. And uh, he's got a chance now to be, you know, the rookie of the year in the American League. Um, he had an incredible start. And he never got caught up in all the publicity he was getting early in April. If you remember, he went over uh, – 150 pitches seen without swinging and missing Crazy. in the major leagues. And then he had a bad month of May, and you were like, uh-oh. But he adjusted. He was able to adjust, and now he's your leadoff hitter. He's turned into potentially a gold-glove left fielder. He gets big hits late in games. Jason, we saw these kids time and time again in late innings in minor league games the last two years. There was never any time you watched Steven and you went, Oh, that kid, he's going to be special. You thought, yeah, nice player. But he came from a winning program at Oregon State. He won a national championship. He's just so level-headed, and he's not caught up in anything. He's got a routine, which is so important in baseball. Every day you do it the same way. All That's what the great players have done. That's what Hank Aaron did. You know, that that's what George Bretton and Robin Young, and you go on and on, Albert Pujols, anybody that's been a great player, they're regimented with that routine that never varies. So he he is way better than I envisioned at this point. Um, you know, I'm trying to think now with, with some of the youngsters because we've had so many. So many of them, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, Nolan Jones, now Nolan's back in Columbus, but he gave this club a boost when it needed it at the very most. I, I'm still a big fan of Will Benson, who's with here mm-hmm. us now. He's scuffling a little bit, but he's such a great kid. I, I think that's the thing that has jumped out at me. Be, and then when you meet their parents, you go, oh, I get it. Um, you know, you meet Will Benson's parents, his dad, you know, Ted Benson, uh, played basketball at Purdue with Joe Barry Carroll in oh, the last right. Purdue team right. in the Final Four. And, you know, there's something about having a dad that's been there, done that in whatever arena. Um, and I, I still think Will will be a good player. But, you know, to th- I just can't think of anybody that's been more impressive um, than, than Stephen Kwan. And, and, I mean, I don't know of a guy you'd rather have up at the plate late in the game than him. Yeah, he's been great in the clutch. Tom, one of the reasons baseball will always be my favorite sport is no matter how much you watch, you still th- see things that you've never seen before, and you can <laughs> never really even envision happening. And the other night that happened when the Indians – Struck out for the third out in the inning, hmm. and on the pass ball, they get a runner on. Okay, you might maybe you're going to see a run or two or three, 
They scored six times after striking out three times in the inning. And then the inning ended with a fourth strikeout. And the player that struck out had already struck out previously in the inning. That's never happened in Major League Baseball. Uh, what's the craziest thing in all the years you've been calling games? And I know that this oh is off, off the top of your head. <laughs> oh but there's got to be that one thing that you saw that you're like, there's no way that just happened. Does anything come to mind for you? Well, that's certainly, we're always a prisoner of the moment, as you know, Jay. And and obviously, I'd never seen that before because I don't think it's ever happened before no. in the history of the game, what they did the other night. They've had so many of those games where they win late and you leave the ballpark going, how the heck did that happen? We shouldn't have won that game. <laughs> that well, Mariners game. That also, that, yeah, yeah it exactly. was 12-2. But I would go back, I think somebody just mentioned it, I'd go back to, to you know, 2001. I mean, uh, we're down 14 to two going into the seventh inning against a Seattle Mariners team that won 116 games that year mm. and was a modern day record for most wins in a season. Uh, that was Ichiro Suzuki's rookie year, and he was also the most valuable player in the American League. Uh, so much so that that Lou Pinello, the Seattle Mariner manager, had taken a few players out of the ball game, um, but. Uh, you know, to rally and win down 14 to two. We had a ball game back in 95 where David Cohn was at his heyday and we were down seven to nothing to the Blue Jays and David Cohn and the club won that game. Um, you know, we've, we've had some of those improbables. Heck, we had a game earlier this year with Josh Naylor, uh, who, while he's not a rookie, has been a huge part of this coming back from that what could have been career-ending multiple fractured leg and ankle from a year ago. And he had eight RBIs from the eighth inning on. <laughs> I mean, Josh got an RBI double in the eighth inning, and you're like, oh, yeah, big, that's nice. Then he gets a grand slam to dead center against one of the best closers in the league. Liam Hendricks has had two blown saves. That was one of them. He gets a grand slam off Liam Hendricks to tie the game in the ninth inning and wins it in the 11th with a three-run homer. And then headbutts Tito wearing a batting helmet, <laughs> oh, which yeah. maybe the most stunning thing is that Tito is still with us. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, that that's the beauty of our game. We've 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 had a lot of that. Um, you know, we won a playoff game in 1997 against a much better team, Baltimore, but we won the American League pennant that year in one of the mm -hmm. playoff games. We win the game on a missed suicide squeeze bunt. Yep. Omar Vizquel, of all people, missed the suicide squeeze, and the ball went off to catcher's glove, and Marquise Grissom scored the winning run, and we won that game, and that was a big reason why the 97 club went to the World Series. So those are a few off the, yeah. the top of my head, but um, you know, my former partner, first partner when I got – to Cleveland in 1990 was the iconic Herb score. And, and he had always said, look, you know, you, you need to realize that the reason every day you come to the ballpark and give it your best effort is one, that's what you're paid to do. But secondly, he goes, you never know on a given day when you're going to see something in a major league game you've never seen before, nor will you ever see it again. And never have I been given better advice than that. How about the Rajay Davis home run, Tom? Well, that, that yeah. You know, I mean, as far as magical moments, Jay, that's that's number one. 
Um, I think it's the greatest moment in the history of that ballpark Mm -hmm. because the, the, the thing that gets overlooked there is that game seven to my way of thinking to that point had been a letdown. Cubs were just kind of in control from the first inning on and, you know, Corey Kluber and, and the bullpen for the most part, they were, they were on fumes because you had gone that entire October with, um, you know, the three starting pitchers and then Trevor Bauer, uh, being the idiot that he was basically <laughs> became ineffective after game one that he pitched magnificently in against Boston. People forget yeah. he pitched game one in the American League Division Series against Boston, not Corey Kluber. And Bauer flat out dominated Boston. And, you know, who knows how the story ends if he had stayed healthy and not decided to play with his drone. So, um, you know, then that that whole game seven, it, it just felt like the club finally had it all caught up to them. And it was kind of a lackluster game seven until that eighth inning. And Brandon Geyer had a great at bat and got an RBI double off of a Roldis Chapman that kind of gets lost because that gave Rajay Davis a chance. And it's one of the most uh, pulsating at bats I think we've seen because Rajay kept fouling off pitch mm-hmm. after pitch after pitch. And a Roldis Chapman, it was mano a mano. Yeah. And um, it, that, that's what the game came down to. And of all people for him to hit that two home run, uh, two run home run um, after that classic at bat, to me was still the greatest moment in that park's history because then you had the entire plaza area between the Cavs arena and our ballpark packed with people and uh to just see people's reactions whether they were cub fans going oh my god it's happened again or whether it was indians fans at that time going you know this miracle <laughs> may become a reality it was that that's the the best moment i can remember i had four children and I know how disappointed they were when the club lost. And I said, you know what? I'll take it to my grave. That at bat by Rajay Davis, that that's what the game is all about. Those are moments that, you know, as great as every sport is the one advantage we have is that kind of a moment that keeps building and building and building. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that that's what makes baseball special. Even though I love all the sports. Tom, do they win that game if there's no rain delay? And why did they call the rain delay? Because it really wasn't raining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'll be argued again <laughs> long after all of us have passed. Um, that That's a great question. You know, I, uh, Aroldis Chapman is in the dugout crying. You know, he was distraught. He felt like he had cost the Cubs uh, the World Series. Um, I don't know why we ever had the tarp pulled, but you know, as we have seen in Northeast Ohio, good luck trying to predict the weather. And if you don't get the tarp down and it pours, then somebody gets fired. Here's the thing. And I know it sounds like sour grapes and I don't want it to sound like that. Um, Everyone talks about who we were missing pitching wise. I think that's been well-documented. What has never really been talked about is we win that world series with Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley was hurt. Nobody ever seems to remember that your best player, I don't care how good Frankie is, Michael Brantley was our best player. He was your three-hole hitter, your left fielder, the most clutch player we had, one of the best leaders we've ever had um, in that Cleveland clubhouse. 
and Michael was hurt with that shoulder. And, um, you know, I don't know how we got to that point, quite frankly, without Michael Brantley to say nothing else about the pitching. So, but we'll, we'll debate the, the rain and the tarp and, and whatnot. I also think you have to give the credit to the Cubs. You just got, you didn't get a, a kick in the stomach. You got plastered uh, with a knockout punch when Rajay did what he did. And for right. them to recover, said something about how good that team was too. Yeah, special. Hey, Tom, it's uh, McNuggets back in the booth here. Thanks for joining us today. We, it's a long story. We can tell you next time you come on. But, uh, I was having that. I'm not asking questions. <laughs> Ryan Day kind of coined the term, and it just kind of stuck. But on Friday, we saw McKenzie go out there, pitch 14 strikeouts, maybe his best performance of the season. He's been stellar all year. In the booth, when you're calling a game and a guy's just dialed in and locked in like that, how much fun is it for you to watch him kind of navigate through a lineup well, knowing his stuff's virtually unhittable? Yeah, it, it, that, that's that's a great point. It is because it's special. You know, you, you're not always going to have the kind of electric stuff that he had that night. And I think the thing that adds to it, and you try to, you always try to maintain your professionalism. It's hard not to root for certain guys that you really think a lot of, and he's one of them. Um, Tristan McKenzie's just, man, he's a special young man. And um, he just gets it, um, not only from a baseball standpoint, but from off the field. He's involved in the community. You know, he's trying to get more of the inner city kids to have the opportunity to play this great game because, let's face it, um, it's an expensive game to play now. That That's my one concern about our game yep. is that we've made it tough with travel ball and all of that yeah. and what a, a bat costs and what it costs to join a travel team. And, and Tristan's trying to help bridge that gap. Um, he's just a – he's a really special kid. And you knew it right away when he said the guy he looks up to is CC Sabathia. Yeah. Well, we haven't had a better guy. Um, CC Sabathia – We've had a lot of players here, but and, and and we've had a number of great guys that can get along with any person in any walk of life. You know, unlike other sports, um, you know, we not only have black, white, but we have a, a huge contingency of Latin American players, Latin American players who are from different countries that sometimes those countries don't like each other. So that can be quite a mix in a clubhouse mm-hmm. and CC Sabathia was one of those guys that, I mean, if you were pink with purple polka dots, it didn't matter with CC Sabathia, the way he could um, get along with teammates and bring a club together. I see that in Tristan McKenzie. I mean, he's yeah. awfully young right now and you don't need him to do that because we have a, a number of other people, but he is, he's gaining that kind of stature in the way he goes out and competes. Plus, you know, I mean, you look at the kid and you're like, he can't put on weight and you would die to know what his secret is because <laughs> the club has tried everything. Uh, to, but he just has that frame. And again, it's the kind of frame that a lot of people say, well, I don't know if he can hold up. Well, you know what? Uh, they've said that about a lot of players. And Tristan McKenzie's proving, I, th- I don't think we've even seen the best yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it's hard for me to stay uh, impartial when it's people like Tristan McKenzie. And, and the good thing is we've got a lot of kids like that. But that that night, to do it against the lineups that he's been doing it against, you know, he made the Yankees look feeble. 
And so he doesn't just mop up on, you know, the ragamuffins. He's able to compete with all the big boys and dominate. Tom, one of the, the many great things about you, and by the way, we had CeCe Sabathia in studio with us on Friday. It was the first time I'd met him in person. I mean, he was amazing. We, we loved having him oh. on. Just, just the best. But one of the things I love about you in particular, beyond your amazing voice and the way you just paint the picture of the game, is that you're not afraid to be critical of the team. I, sometimes the home team broadcaster shies away from being critical. I don't like that. I think you want to have a good balance because, you know, the fans know you want them to win, but you got to be critical at times. And I think you do such a great job with that. Is that something when you first started that was a conscious choice or is it just you, who you are and that's how you do it? Well, thanks, Adam. I appreciate the kind words. I mean, I think you're always evolving. And I think if you're not and you're always learning, then I, I think then you're going to fool yourself and you'll find that somebody else is in that chair instead of you. I mean, you know, there are plenty of times I've said things too where I go, oh my God, you know, what was I thinking? Or I come home and my wife will say, we have four kids that aren't done college yet. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, the way I've always tried to look at it, I don't want, I'm not gonna go up there in the booth and say, how could he swing at that pitch? Well, the reason I can say that because I wasn't good enough to play at that level. So how would I know how he can swing at that pitch? That that's not. I think when you, if you you make a critical point, it, it's more when a guy makes a mistake or if he's not hustling or whatnot. I don't ever want to criticize a guy for having a bad night. Bad nights happen. That's all. The only time that I'll be, you know, you. To me, you have to point out when a player makes a mistake. Yes. You if you don't, then every time you say that was a great play, right. pretty soon people have lost credi your credibility. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't believe in what you're saying because you say, well, every play was a great play. If a guy makes a mistake, he makes a mistake. Yep. You don't dwell on it, but, um, you know, you, you just you have to point it out uh, to maintain your credibility. And I've been lucky with the Dolan family and the Jacobs family in that they have always said, look, um, we're not telling you what to say or what to do. Have, have there been times I've said stuff I regret? No question. You're, you're talking live for three hours. You make mistakes. You have regrets. But you try to make darn sure that you're being fair. And I, that's why I'm able to walk into that clubhouse every day, and I do every day, and talk to guys. Because if you ever did say something that maybe somebody took offense oh. to, you need to be there so that they can talk to you about it. Right. But for the most part, I've never had that issue um, because I'm not criticizing them in a way that like, well, how can, you know, I'm just pointing out a fact. I guess that's my point. Yeah, if there's something that's factual that you got to point out, you point it out, you move on, you don't dwell on it because, um, you know, the one thing, and I think it helped having two boys, you know, play college ball and play in the minor leagues you know, no one felt worse than they did when they went 0 for 4 and punched out three times. Mm -hmm. So they didn't need some idiot up in the booth pointing out that they, <laughs> you know, stink. You know, I'm never going to say that. I'm not going to editorialize or do anything like that. Um, I know how hard this game is. I know how hard these guys play and, and what it means to them. And, and I, th I think, too, you always have to, like Herbie always used to say, the further you are away from the field, whether it's basketball, football, or baseball, the easier the game looks. And, you know, you don't ever want to become God, judge, and jury because, you know, that people don't want to hear that. And it's not fair. 
Tom, do you ever have uh, you know mixed emotions about uh, the run that the Indians had in the mid '90s, and, and it was such a beloved run, such a huge thing for the city uh, and the sport. Um, but some people tend to always go back to that. You know, may may not give the yeah. Guardians an opportunity to show what they can do. Good point. Is that a is that a catch twenty two a little bit? Yeah, you know what? That, that that's a great point, and. Um... Sometimes you hear our players, um, not this group, but we had other groups. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a point. You, you, you bring, a, bring up a great point there. And uh, so in 2007, we brought back Kenny Lofton. And if you remember in 2007, we, we had a really good ball club and had a three games to one lead against Boston. And they came roaring back and everybody knew whoever won that pennant was going to beat up on Colorado and win the world series. Two best teams were Colorado and Boston. We brought back Kenny Lofton at the deadline. And there were guys on that team that would say to me, what's the deal? Every time Kenny comes to the plate, he's getting a standing ovation. Now he had just been with the ball club, but the fans obviously and rightfully so, adored Kenny Lofton. I mean, he was one of the key components of those great ball clubs that you talked about. And I would try to tell the guys, guys, I know you don't understand it, but you weren't here. You don't realize how magical that period was. And for some people, even if we win the World Series, there'll be people that still talk about those 90s teams because Mm -hmm. that was the first time in 40 years Cleveland became relevant in a baseball sense of the word you all of a sudden had a ballpark that was downtown that was a gem that was among the best ballparks in baseball i always thought those 90s teams stopped a lot of the late night jokes um from the guys that you know were Mm. were doing late night shows and whatnot because we were always being seen in a different light that ballpark was magnificent we're always on national tv always with sellout crowds, always with, you know, one of the most entertaining teams. And that hadn't happened in 40 years. So I kind of equate it a little bit to the Reds. If you talk to Cincinnati Reds people, fans, all they talk about is the big red machine and how great they were. And they were. Look how many of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, back-to-back World Series champions in the 70s. You never hear anybody in Cincinnati talk about the 1990 team, and they won the World Series. It's amazing to me. It, it's just, I think it's, that was an era that'll never be repeated. Now, if we win it, I mean, I mean, maybe that'll change. I don't know. I just think the city fell in love with those guys. Albert Bell was everybody's bad guy, except in Cleveland, you know? Um, it didn't matter everybody loved the fact that Cleveland was now the big bad bully kicking sand in your face, Mm -hmm. not vice versa. So uh, I think maybe until we win a world series, that's the way it's always going to be. And I wonder if it'll ever change. And I don't know if it has to, because I think all of us would agree that that was an era baseball wise, that'll be hard to replicate because it was kind of the perfect storm. First time in 40 years, you were any good. You had arguably the most entertaining team that I still have ever seen in my 33 years as far as anybody in Major League Baseball. We had Hall of Famers, guys that would be Hall of Famers that had it not been for off the field things uh, has kept them out of the Hall of Fame. 
Um, you had a ballpark that was a showplace. You had five consecutive years of sellouts, and the Cleveland Browns left town. So to me, it was the perfect storm that will never be replicated. Yeah, I think that's all very well said. I can listen really to Tom is. talk yeah. baseball. Yeah, I, you know what? All I can day. listen to Tom read the phone book. I mean, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Tommy, oh. you're the greatest that's ever done it in my mind. I know you know I feel that way. Thanks. Thank you so Thanks, much buddy. for giving us Thanks, a half hour. Oh. Go play Tory Pines for me, will you? Yeah. Go yeah. play Tory Pines I, and hit him straight. I can't afford. You know who's <laughs> on Tory Pines? Our pitching staff. So, <laughs> of course uh, they are. That's a tough road trip. I tried on. to get a tea time, and they said Tom who, and so <laughs> I could have caddied for the guys. But that that's yeah. as close. But guys, it was great. I really enjoyed it and loved the show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Tom Hamilton. Oh, of course, the voice of the Cleveland the Cleveland Guardians, and he is the best. He will always be for me the perennial voice of the. Cleveland I do. Guardians. Sometimes I watch the game and. And put and sync it up on my phone. Well, what I yeah, them, yeah it's easy radio. to do. Yeah. All you got to do is pause the TV part and yeah. and, and uh, uh, or rather rather uh, make sure that you're getting live TV. You can't. Right. There's so there's certain ways that you can watch it where you make sure you're live. Otherwise, yeah. it's always off. Uh, yeah, right, right. And it right. drives you crazy. But yeah. I I'm different. I think I'm like you. I would rather listen to a game on the radio right. than actually. Watch a game on TV. My dad still go to Something the car. About it. He still he literally the leave the house and go to the car. He'd be Will he car. really? Yeah, mm-hmm. listen to the listen to the uh, Guardians. Oh, cool. awesome. right. so, this is a tough road trip, by the way, for the Guardians. It is. It's got under the radar. Yeah. San Diego, Seattle. They're both yeah. pretty good teams. You know what? Though suddenly the American League um, doesn't look as crazy as it did. The Astros are the only two months ago. The Astros are going to be a tough. The Yankees have been out. awful. Awful. For yeah, the did you see yesterday? They won yesterday. Hal Steinbrenner and and. Um, uh, Aaron Boone? No, the GM. Uh, oh, Brian Cashman. Uh, Brian Cashman got booed by the fans when they came out for the Paul O'Neill ceremony. They retired number 21 yesterday. Yeah. And they got absolutely crushed. They've lost, like, I think, 20 of their last They've 30. lost six series in a row. Yeah, yeah they've been terrible since the All-Star The natives are restless yeah. in so New York City. This is news to you, but I got to go. I got a golf outing. Oh, yeah. Get the hell out. <laughs> oh, do you really? Yeah. yeah. He's got a dip. I messed up. I messed up, and He's I got a, a golf outing. With Varden and Fedor, and I'm supposed to be on the first tee in 25 minutes in Chardon. Uh, yeah. So they said, well, just go after Tom Hamilton. Tom. Yeah. You can yeah, still so. get there right now. If All right, Jason, right see now, how quick you can get, get out of here. Ready? Go. What, which course are you playing there? Uh, Sandridge. Okay. Very nice. There's some great courses over there. Really All right, great All right go, to, go, to, go to the live shot on Jay. Go right. to the live shot on Jay. Yeah. Well, we got it. You look, the chair's going to be empty for the rest. Don't we put the gopher no. in there? Yeah, we got to put the gopher there. Yeah, where is the Where's gopher Miles? right now? Where pillow. is the gopher? It's in the back. Okay. You got to put them on the pillows. Mm. Well, leave the pill- we'll, we'll fix it up. Well, we'll fix it up. Jason, right. hit him straight. See you, Jay. Never, hit him straight. Never. Jason Lloyd tapping out in about the yeah. sixth inning here. Seventh inning. Yep. He's got he's he's to go to the golf club. Oh, he's, he's running to the bathroom right now. I think oh, he just had to pee. But no, he did tell us before he had a golf game. Jason has to go. By the way, if you have to pee in the middle of the show, it's now should be called a Tyvis. Yeah, because he actually did get up yeah. in the middle of the show yeah. and snuck out. Y'all yeah. got to work on you Y'all, y'all, y'all got to work on Let's do good, bad, bad, bad real quick, guys. <laughs> okay. Over the weekend, a big day for Jay and G. Bush. Both That's right. Reno. Bull went 2-1. and one. By the way, pre-se- we shouldn't be doing preseason football. It's so ridiculous. Well, we've done a lot of ridiculous We've done bets. a lot of ridiculous oh, things. We did, we did international see, see soccer come back for crying out loud. At least those are real games. See, I'm on a comeback Preseason football is ridiculous. When are we drafting? I'm only one back in the loss column. The 31st. Brad, are you in for the third, have we heard from Brad? If Brad did heard. not answer any of my texts. Brad, thirty-first yeah. Wednesday, the thirty-first. Are you in? I don't play in? no fantasy. Nothing. <laughs> He's out. He lives hey, his life in, in the real league? world. I live in the real world. I hold it down <laughs> for the brothers. I'm, uh, yeah, we, we got this. I'm in like six leagues. Don't tell my wife. No, you have to show me how to do it. Okay. I don't know. 
what to do. But can you draft on the 31st? Yeah, I can do All it. All right, he's in. So Brad's in. What's Brad's in. I don't know what to do, though. Brad's in. All right, go ahead. I don't even know how it works. I need this win. All right, we're all – go ahead with the good bet, bad bet. Show us what we're – we're picking this week or today. this week or tonight at least we got one more preseason finale. Oh, the good. Falcons I'm different the from Jets. I'm Falcons different from Bull on this. Getting one. two and a half here. Getting that ground, man. Jay's the one loner. Look at Jay. Jay. Yep. I mean, Jay's preseason football. You might as well just throw a. That's a what dart, I did. I threw a dart. <laughs> I flipped a coin. Jay answered 13 seconds after I sent the text this morning. Wow. There was no way he even finished reading. He just. Which is typically I always go first gut. I, I don't. I don't look Ooh. at anything. I don't do any research. I go M- off my gut. McNuggets, do you know based on who's responding, which one of us goes to sleep earliest? <laughs> No, because I sent it in the morning. Okay. So it's just who's up the earliest. They be, uh, I'm usually on it right away. J- yeah, yeah Jay, Jay's usually the first. To, Jay or Bo the first to answer. Yeah. You're always the last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I always see the no, text he was from before Mike. me today. I need your I need your picks. Yeah, yeah. That's, Mike, I'm, like, I'm early. Mike, he beats me. I need your picks. Uh, no, actually, you're right. Brad's, Brad's probably last. last, but of the of the regulars, <laughs> I actually Jeep slept absurdly late today. I slept till eight twenty. For me, is insane. Wow. Wow. That's insane. I never sleep past. You eight know, o'clock. y'all cats is kind of old. Y'all be in the bed at eight o'clock. Seven no, o'clock. I, I was up after midnight. Oh, I slept bro. ten what? hours yeah. last night. I slept ten hours bro. last night, which I never do. I usually sleep seven hours. Brad, what time you go to sleep? Twelve thirty one. Yeah, my okay. Sundays are always late though. Mm-hmm. But but I was, you know, and midnight is late for me. I'm almost but I, I'm always up at eleven thirty. Eleven thirty game. Every night. Oh, yeah, every yeah night. I'm a, almost every night. Last night I went to bed at quarter eleven. Hey man, two, two thirty, three. You've told me that once that your life your life is flipped. It's flipped. Why? Why? I don't what sleep. are you doing at two thirty in the morning? I, I look wide awoke. <laughs> just looking around like this. Man, like why the what? Yeah, listen. Just, yeah. Look at us. He's there leaving. There he goes. There he goes. What happened? I thought he was leaving. Yeah, to go yeah, to the bathroom. Yeah. He's got to change to the golf clothes. That's oh, what he just gosh. Got. All right. All right. All right, we'll All right. Second bet. Yeah. Once again, the Falcons Jets preseason game tonight. Over Jeez. 38 points. G. Bush, the one. Yeah. Negative. Wasn't there some WNBA we could have gotten into today? Nah, no, 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 no games. Don't, today. Please don't give us any WNBA bets. <laughs> don't do it. I don't. I don't I, watch I don't, it. I don't, I don't, I don't know I it. I would. That's, that's I'm a shame. Not, I have that's a shame. Listen, I, I, I just games yesterday. Listen, it is what it is. I mean, I, I wish I liked the sport. That's I just, I just don't. That's a Better shame. than preseason that's football. Shame. And I got. If I'm picking games, I got to know something about these teams. All right, let's get to the last one here. We did go with one baseball bet, Subway Series. The Yankees have been abysmal. Scherzer's on the mound, so we went with the under. Seven runs Ooh, in Mets versus Yankees. Bowl. Bulls is going to win this one. Yeah, because uh, what's his name? Pitching for the Yankees. He stinks, and the Mets have been hitting well. It's Domingo Armand, isn't he pitching? Yeah, correct. But I, 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 he stinks. Scherzer give up a run or two. He hasn't been quite as sharp lately. Uh, I, and the Mets will win this game 7-2. to my, my, my dude, Jeff Lloyd, Locked on Browns podcast. Make, make sure you go uh, subscribe to that, by the way. He's a uh, Mets fan. He's a Mets guy. Mets guy. Yeah. He loves the Mets. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. 
Uh, Frankie's hitting better. They'll choke in the playoffs. Frankie is hitting better. He's, He's having better. a really good year. I don't know. You know what, Jimenez. I don't know why we feel it necessary to crush Lindor. It's okay to say Jimenez is awesome. We wouldn't take back the trade, and Lindor's still playing really well for I them. I hope nobody's That's crushing him. I mean, I felt bad for him last year when he couldn't find he his way. He was a mess last year. He was a mess. And a lot of people do. That happens when you go to New York, and he has adjusted. Sure. Yeah. He's, he's, he's having definitely a nice having a much better yeah. year this year than last. But still, I will still say a million times out of a million that I, of course it, 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 it worked right. out great for the Guardians. And by the way, the two, there's still two, two other guys. Players. There's still two other minor leaguers. Who knows what will be with that? Just with what we see. Now, they did give up Carrasco in the deal, too, and he's pitched well this year, although he got hurt recently. Yeah, I, I, Listen, I, I, it's you would not take back the deal if you're the Guardians. No way. It's I that do simple. That a million Doesn't times mean the Mets million. still are getting good play out of Lindor and Carrasco. Sure. It's not like it's been a terrible trade for them, and maybe... Jimenez wouldn't have played this well in New York, right? Yeah. We don't know. New York, tough place Some to play. guys can't play in All New York. All that being said, if you're play. weighing the trade objectively, 100%. Guardians, two thumbs it's up. It's better for the Guardians. Yeah. But the Guardians, this just proved the Guardians will never – because their track record is too good. They're going to say, well, look, look at all the times we traded guys. Yeah, they're trading Bieber they're this offseason. They're, no they're, they're never going think, to pay nobody. I'm convinced money. they are. Yeah, yes. I, I think the way they would re rethink that is the Guardians will tell you that they're ahead of schedule and next year is – they've got obviously yeah. higher hopes for next year. Bieber has pitched well enough his last five times out. He's looked like, like yeah. Jay Bieber. Yes, again. yes. The reason they might keep him is – when you deal him, it is a bit of a white flag to fans because he's you don't win a championship without a, a Bieber type. Now that maybe they think McKenzie is ready to become that guy, but I think to win it you need three front of the rotation kind of pitchers, and I would keep him. Well, you know maybe they'll have yeah. Espino, who's their best pitching prospect. Well, that I fingers mean, crossed. Yeah, nasty. fingers crossed. But could you imagine if he becomes what we think he's going to be, and yeah. you have Bieber, McKenzie, and Espino, right? And the bullpen that they I have. I just feel like. It's the perfect time to strike. They're not going to sign Bieber. We know that's not happening. No, they won't. So I think they'll take advantage of of him getting hot at the end of the year and get it. Yeah, but back they have time. Bieber for two more years, right? They do. Yeah. So that's why I just think let's let's go. Let's yeah. Go they the next might season. wait. I just my gut tells me they'll because trade him this offseason. They waited until the last minute to deal Frankie, but only because and and they they won the deal. Right, but they would have traded him the year before if they 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 will not force a bad deal if they don't like it. Nope, they'll sit out. They would have traded Lindor the year before if they had gotten if they the had deal the they right wanted. package. They would have done. Yes, it. yeah. Brad, don't don't it seem like these uh these little major league baseball prospects be created players? You mean it was the was the WNBA? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> hey, he watches it. Hey, I watched the WNBA. Hey, said he don't. McNuggets. I don't watch a ton of it, but B I watch Bull will come in and be like, Shabazz, Muhammad, Radamez, Johnson is the best prospect that shortstop. I could be making up Jay names. Be like, but, but, Malik, gee, I could be making but, up names. People wouldn't know. But, but, that goes back to, goes back to the, what I was talking about. When you have chips, you don't have to move. No. I don't have to do a thing. I sit here and wait because I'm, I'm a, a, what they call a long-term holder. I wait yeah. till the perfect deal comes my way. That's you're right. not going to force well, me off of anything. And then when you give me something, you're going to give me something. When you're playing poker and you love your hand, yeah. let it Just ride. Just let it man. ride. Let right. it ride. Stay and that's what I, th I think that's what they've done in the past. It, Teams yeah. are reluctant to make deals with the Guardians <laughs> because they're always looking at it like, are we missing something here? <laughs> right. why, are, why do they want to make this deal? What are we missing? Because I, I, my favorite one is... Classe is the best closer in the game. Well, it's your it's and they, and Kluber made one start for the Rangers. It's your Jay. It's your it's your After the deal. It's, it's your poker face. It's like when Barry Sanders scored a touchdown in the end zone. What did he do? He just gave the ball back to you. Yeah, like so he's every, been here every, every, every time. That's yeah. it, man. So right. you don't know what I'm doing. You don't know how I I'm feel. I'm a blackjack player. I'm hitting on 14. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, this whole discussion brings us to our last topic of the day. Yeah. We got a topic? We do have one more topic. Okay. Yes. Yeah, this is a good one, too. I really like this. I put a lot of thought into this one. Well, I'm curious to see where it goes. I was talking with some friends, and it kind of came up with the New York teams, and I was like, this yeah. is perfect for Cleveland. So the question is, we know the Guardians right now. They have a 53.3 win percentage, 533. Okay. You look at them this season. You look at the Browns with 11 games of whoever, and then Deshaun Watson for the final six, and the Cavs for the upcoming season, who finished just over 500 last year. Yeah. Which of the three professional Cleveland sports teams will finish – this season, so Guardians currently and the upcoming for Browns and the Cavs, the highest win percentage. Okay, what? let's go around the horn, and everybody can give their order, and then we can come first, back and discuss first it. First of all, is this with conditions or without conditions? No, this is as we know right now. Okay. Yeah. Like, we know right now that Deshaun Watson will be here at, for, for the last six. Okay. So, Bull, one, two, three. Who's going to yeah, finish Yeah, I think the it's actually going to be very close. I do, too. Mine three. really close. Um... I got the records in my head, but I realized I didn't figure out the exact the Well, percentage. you know what? If you tell me the win total, I'll give you a win percentage. All right. So, I've got the Guardians winning 88 games. Okay. That's I have them 56, with 90. By the way, it's about 56, 57% yeah. win percentage. No, okay. well, no, if they win 90, they're 555. They're 56%. So, if okay. they only win 88, they're about 40, uh, 54. And, and the Browns at 9 and 8. Although, that's what I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's 529. Right. And then I had the Cavs winning 49. Wow. Okay, that's, that's better than I had. I had 47. Yeah. So, ours would be very similar. I yeah. had Cavs, 47 wins, 573 win percentage. In a Guardians, 555, because yeah. I got them with 90 wins. Yeah. I've got the Browns, 9-8 and eight as well, 529. So the Browns, believe it or not, would yeah. be third. I think we have the same total wins for the team. We do, because I, I had two, two more, you had, uh, yeah, had right. two less. Be yeah. Yeah, Where yeah. are you? Well, see, I, I'm going this way. Cavs going to have the best record. Yeah. By far. Right? By far? By far, far, because they have they have the, the piece wow. to elevate to get to the next level. They were knocking on the door before. All right. right? Well, I mean, we all agree that the right. Cavs will finish with the highest win percentage right. then. Secondly, oh, yeah, I'm not a 9-8 right. and eight guy with the Browns. I got no. a better run. I got a better run for the Browns. I have better hope for the Browns. What do this you is have not taking anything then? away from the Guardians. I just feel like the players they have, if it's just coach right, going to translate it. I don't need Brissett to be a showstopper. I don't. Right. I got these tools. But I, where do you I, have? Where do you have the Browns? I got now? the Browns going twelve and six. I mean twelve oh, and 12, 12 and five. Excuse me. Well, okay. that's so, a higher percentage. So hold on. I don't know how the Cavs beat that then. So you have them going twelve and five. So 12 divided by 17, there wins. That's 71 percent. So, so the Cavs would have to win even, 60. Even up there, 11 and six, right? I'm just telling you who's who. Who is the, the ultimate showstopper in this town? Are the Cavaliers this year because they have the percentage to get to the next so level. So you you must have them winning well over 60 games, like uh, you know, so 55 plus 54, okay, so 55, 55 divided by right? 82. If they do it right, right. Okay. So that's still healthy. below 11. That's then, still but, below the Browns. But, but I say the Browns because here's the problem with the Browns. The Browns in a tough division. It's tough over here in this yeah. AFC. It's tough. Yeah, but you so got your them 11, your 11, Let's say it's 11 and six, Jay. Right. Yeah, there's some other people here gonna be knocking on that door. Right, I just I've been watching the stuff of what the acquisitions and the way teams finished up last year. Sure. If I go FC, can't, can't, uh, Kansas City's going to be there. Mm -hmm. so you got to figure Cincinnati's going to be there, right? I, I, uh, uh, Kansas City. Yeah, Cincinnati. but we're not going on first place, second place. No, no, we're going on win just, percentage. But I'm saying even on win percentages here, they can, even if they let's say they 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 win eleven to six and still didn't cut the mustard to be in the upper echelon. I'm looking at the final finishes here. 
the Cavaliers have a chance to be tough in the final finishes here, right? So even better than the Browns at say twelve and five. So that's gonna you you need them to win sixty divided by eight. So you do another man. Yeah, I like they're gonna win sixty games. I said fifty five to beat 56. the to beat the Browns. If the yes. Browns win twelve, I said okay. I said twelve five eleven six. Okay, right? so, so right. let's see what fifty five. Let's see what fifty five gets you. Fifty five gets you sixty seven percent. So you're sitting here, right? They're the one. That, Man, I, I'd be uh, thrilled the, with that. The three, oh the, but Holy here, but here, God. that's still not taking thing away from the Guardians because yep. I think the Guardians play their hands right. They can maybe knock into a playoff spot here, right? I don't want to say they can go deep. Yeah, but they can't win 70% of no, their no, games. No, but so, G. Bush, what do you think? Um, we got So here's how this is going to go. I think Mobley takes a step. I got the Cleveland Cavaliers winning. It's t- I'll, I'll give them 50, but I want to say 49. I got 47. You had 49, too. I, I, I'll give them 49. Okay, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. Give them 50. Okay, 50, 61%. Okay. Now, now to me, I got. Hell, I'd take a 50-win season. 50 I think wins. they're capable of doing it. I think huge. they can do it. They'd now, have to stay healthy. Now, for me, I, I got the Guardians coming in a second. I think the Guardians is going to end up – they'll end up hot. I think Guardians win 92 games. Wow. wow. I hope they do. Wow. I mean, it's, it's within it, – it's yeah. doable. I mean, they it haven't is. they haven't had that big that big jump back where they That's lose 57%. four, five, six. And then, and then I got the Browns, and I, I said nine and eight. To me, even if I go – even if I go ten and seven, yeah. they still round out the – That's the 58. Yeah. Fifty-eight so, percent. So, so I, I got it's those. Cl- so, based on, I mean, it, we we talked about this a few weeks ago. All three teams have never made the playoffs in the same year. Right. No. Now, I guess technically it wouldn't be the same year because the Cavs would be twenty-three. But it's kind of the same. But, yes. but within within you know, the, yeah, it depends on which year you count as right. that year for the. They've NBA. only been over five hundred in the same year. I think it was three times well, or two times. We that's all it. have them all over five hundred. Yeah. Right. And the Guardians are well on their way to doing that. Could they finish below 500? Yeah, they'd have to yeah, fall completely apart. They're right. nine games over right now. Yeah. So it looks like they're going to come in over 500. The Browns have to win nine, depending on who you talk to. That's the best up and coming roster. The best up and coming roster to me is between. If Deshaun Watson ain't there, it's between the Cavs and slightly the Guardians because the Guardians ain't yeah. supposed to be in the first place. They I, are though. I mean, think about it with Watson. All three franchises Have a are really, really arrow yeah. up right yes. now. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. And when's that ever been the case? Never. Where all three franchises were arrow up. Never. Yeah. And, and got young stars, too. Right. The Cavs and Guardians have a ton of good young players. And we players. talked about this a couple weeks ago when you brought yeah. it up. It's rare where if you just take the big three sports, yeah. Yeah. not the NHL, yeah. but if you just take the big three, Tough. it's rare it's when tough. you would have a year where all three make the playoffs. Right. In the same year, it yeah. doesn't happen very often. Boston, I, I, is Boston, Boston, the, last, Boston, Boston the last one. Boston probably so, is the Boston. Most. No, it's actually Tampa Bay, um, the Bu- the Buccaneers, the the Rays, and the yeah, Lightning. The Bucks one. and the Lightning won the Super Bowl and, and Stanley Cup in the same year, yeah. and the Rays made a deep playoff run. Right, right, right. So, so that's when the I, same. I, I, not, nothing, nothing against no. That. We'll I mean, know it. but yeah. they're kind of title town of the South. Nothing against the hockey boys, right? When I say big three, the big three are. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> right, there's right. a lot of cities that believe it or not. Like when when you start looking at it, Cincinnati, they don't have an NBA or a hockey. Yeah. You know, Detroit's got all four. Pittsburgh doesn't have an NBA, but they do have a hockey. Chicago right. got all. Chicago well, got well, them all. Well, Cincinnati used to have a hockey. I mean, an NBA, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. These, these were these were teams. These were cities that didn't value that. that Kansas ac- City ac- used to have ac- it. acquisition. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then now that the thing got hot, they try to get them back. Because you see how yeah. many exhibition games they try to do these exhibition right. games there. Yeah. 
so they can relocate a team. They're not relocating any teams here. No, no, not it's, now. it's not I happening. The good news is it's debatable between all three. Yeah, it's that's, good. That's what makes it good. You Look, know what? And, it is good news, and, I, and we yeah. all have them over 500. Right. And I put an asterisk by mine because I still think that to get to my number, if the if the Cavs make a sol- uh, uh, acquisition of a vet, solid veteran to right. help them, that helps them. Sure. I think that. Uh, that's why we went based on what what and, we. Have and I think that also the coaching, right? Because you got JB Bickerstaff. And you got Stefanski probably are the, the two neophytes out here that need to prove themselves yeah. as uh, being able to deliver. Because now you have materials. Before yeah. it's different when you don't have materials and say, oh, you I'll came be, out of surprise. Now there are expectations. Now your expectations here. I'll be here. interested to see how the fans treat the Cavs this year, right? Yeah. They had a nice run down the stretch. I think they did a good job of packing the place. I want to see if it gets to the level of where yeah. it was when they had Kyrie and LeBron and some of the – because they got yeah. nice, they got nice well, young stars. And think about it, like – for the for the Cavs 22 season, I'll say, you know, ended this this right, April, right. May, whatever, and the Guardians 22 season and the Browns. But, like, next year should be even better because the Browns will have, in theory, Watson for a whole year. The Guardians yeah. will have all these young players with right. experience. Yep. And you think they'll spend a little more money to raise the payroll. And the and, uh, and who am I left out? Oh, the Cavs. Well, have Cavs. all these young players who you assume just get better. I, so, I, we yeah. put a YouTube poll up, by the way, on which – that people thought would have the highest win percentage. The Cavs got 51% of the vote. The Browns, 31% of the vote. And then Guardians at 18. So, Which is crazy. That's yeah. the answer. The Guardians are deeper. I mean, right. obviously no the other sense. two haven't even started their season. Yeah. And we know where the Guardians are right, right. now. Right. The Guardians are very unlikely to be under 500. I mean, for the, for the Browns to uh, to eclipse where the Guardians are, they've got to win 10 games. Nine yeah. and eight won't get it. Right. Well, that poll goes to fact, the fact so, that Major League Baseball does a poor job connecting the fans yeah. to the teams. They yeah. just do. I had a couple of people after CC's appearance Friday comment to me either in person or through yep. uh, email. I yep. got a lot of email on this that CC should run should should be big league baseball's commissioner <laughs> because the points that he made about the, the lack of marketing and how the game stars if you were to go around and ask you know who they anybody are. other than diehard baseball fans to pick out some of these guys out of a photo lineup, they wouldn't be able to do Man, it. Man, they couldn't go into high as a giant eagle. I wouldn't even know who they are. I mean, <laughs> and that's sad. <laughs> that's sad. I would, but, but yeah, a lot of people would. I mean, would. you and I would, but the average yeah. sports Man, fan, it's not a If they have a jersey fan. on, I wouldn't know think, the, who the dude was. Think about right? how big uh, a marketing piece was just major, just baseball cards. That, that was a huge. I know. Like, baseball cards was walking billboards. My son collects, but a lot of people. I don't think are, you into, are you into cards? I am. I was well, when I was a kid. I'm not really anymore, cards. but I, I, yeah. my son is. A, I still have all my baseball cards, yeah. and my son wants to organize them with good. me. So we've yeah, been yeah. mid yeah, project on that. So you That's see, great. you see these guys. That's right? a good final take, Bull. In, in, doing uh, in, baseball <laughs> cards and getting everything organized in, with your son. In your in your day to day, right? You you. It's hard to find these players out in, in the in the commonplace of the city every day. But yeah. when you see them. You know, the, the basketball guys, obviously, they stand out because they may be taller, right? Stephen Kwan but, could walk into our newsroom I wouldn't right even now know, I wouldn't think know he's an intern. No right. clue. No clue. But yeah. that's, that's but you just heard Tom Hamilton sell, right. you know, the year he's had, right? Yeah. The connectivity, the connectivity between what is actually the player and the person and connect them to the people, that's where baseball falls down yeah. in the crack. Yeah, and they're they're woefully deficient in that in that space speaking of interns uh, my former intern miles uh, Simmons is going to be on our show tomorrow I'm excited for that right tomorrow tomorrow Mikey, Mikey he's on pro football talk right yes he is hey final takes guys let me start the final takes here speaking of you mentioned LeBron before uh, G you know the other day when um, Woj broke the news that LeBron 
was re-signing with the Lakers, I quote retweeted it and said the dream is dead. And my man Fedor said, well, it may just be delayed. I got to talk to him. (laughs) But but let me tell you something. The response I got from that tweet, 90% of the fans were like, thank God, I don't want LeBron back. And let me, let me talk to you folks, because I was one of the dummies who said something like that. I brought this up a few times. About six, eight months ago on the radio, I said, yeah, I don't really want LeBron back. And I said that on the radio, and then I realized soon after, within a week, I was like, wait a second, did I say I don't want LeBron back? How could I have possibly been that stupid? And ever since, I've been trying to cure other people of their stupidity. So I'm going to try once again. I can understand maybe, maybe, if you don't want to trade for LeBron by giving up your young stars. I love the young stars. But to say you wouldn't want LeBron back as a free agent, if you could add him to this team for some crazy reason, you hate him, you're a racist, or whatever the other stupid reason you want to come up with is, it's beyond dumb. LeBron James is still, at whatever the hell he is, 37, 36, 38, I don't know how old he is, he is still one of, if not the best player in the NBA today. I understand you got, we can do it once without LeBron. Yeah. Are the Cavs as constituted winning a championship? No, no they are not. They're good. They're, they're competitive, away. but they're not winning a championship as is because they don't have, they have three awesome players, but they don't have a LeBron. And with LeBron, the Cavs become the instant favorites in the East. Now, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but to say you'd rather like with LeBron, you'd have a great chance to win a championship without him. They'll remain a long shot until they can get a player of that caliber as much. And I love all three young guys, but they're not a championship team right now. They're a level below that, at least maybe two levels. I would t- take LeBron in a heartbeat and t- don't be an idiot like I was smarten up. Now you can learn too. it's okay to change your mind. Uh, it's crazy to not want LeBron on this team. Good take, Google. Good take. You know, the only side, the only side note to that is Jeannie Buss has ensured that that's not going to happen because mm-hmm. the second year of the deal, they, she's taking away the no trade calls. That's yep. gone. So you're going to give me some pieces here. The Lakers are needing major pieces, so this is not going to come easily. So the team that we constitute, we have right now, mm-hmm. I'm not sure those pieces would be in play to get LeBron James out of Los Angeles. But to your point, mm-hmm. the credit is. The Cavs are just one veteran away. You know, That's it's like it. the decision you make before you go out drinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know you're going to have a hangover the next day. Yeah. You know you're going to have a headache, but you do it anyhow because yeah. it's a blast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the same this thing with LeBron. This is where we are. This you is... know he's going to give you a headache, right. and you know it's probably going to end badly. Right. But in between, we're you might have, have a hell of a party. We're get so time. sign me up for that party. All right. So here, let me take on this final take because I, I don't think I can touch his, but I want to, you know, I'm just blown. I'm going to go back to what I was talking about earlier. The Big Ten uh, has established itself again, as always, for those SEC folks and ACC folks. And uh, we are the premier conference. That's just who we are, right? We just did a deal that uh, was more lucrative enough, more lucrative than anything you've seen in this in this country. And we had the audacity and the, uh, the cojones to go out and say, UCLA and UCLA, uh, USC, you come over here with us. Come on now. And USC and UCLA did what? How much is involved? How much can we get? Oh, I'm with them. Forget Arizona and Oregon and Stanford and all my ties on the West Coast. The money's in the Midwest, and that's where I'm headed to, the money, right? And that's what a billion dollars would do for you. And if you hadn't been paying attention, the, the, the Big Ten is not on one network, but it's spread across four networks, four, ensuring that all you're going to see is Big Ten, 
So the SEC can run around here and talk about we got this dude. SEC, get out of here. You're, you, we don't see you. <laughs> we've we just we we've got the households. We got the markets. We have everything else. The problem, Jay, is this. There's going to be a reckoning coming here. Because <laughs> the new athlete is, they're astute. They read. They understand the math, the books. Now they understand what the labor laws are. Then they also understand this. We're the product. And the product is a part of the equation. It's not the end all to be all, but it's a significant play here. The question is for the Big Ten, how soon you recognize that? And unlike the last time when you failed to experiment with the Northwestern football team, I, I, it behooves you to get to the table early with the players and set the landscape for the rest of the players across this country. And then we're going to finally have a discussion. The revenue-making sports versus the non-revenue-making sports. And this is not going to be equal pie. It's not. We're going to give you some pie, but it's not going to be equal because the brunt of the weight is being carried by the revenue-producing sports. I'm just sorry to tell you that. That's just how it works out here in the world. And so the quicker the Big Ten and Kevin Warren can get to it, uh, the better off I think college sports will be. Otherwise, we're going to be doing a crazy dance here real soon, and it's going to get real ugly for everybody involved. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Man, gee, my, my stuff is less light. I'm going to commend the Cleveland Browns for coming on out and being uh, a, a part of the 21st century, right? You, you, you're being part <laughs> of, of marketing, right? Marketing is something that people, I went to college for it, and people, they do a terrible job of it. All you need is a, is a decent little marketing plan to give somebody, some, some fringe people, the opportunity to come on and say, oh, I like that. And people always start with the uniforms. But the Browns did one thing. The Browns realize, I, I know that we got a, a, a traditional base uh, and, and we like plain stuff. We like the plain stuff. We like no logos, no no nothing, no decals, no cheerleaders, no band. Half the time we grew up, there wasn't nothing in the end zones. But you did at least come on around. You know what you said? Say, Listen, let me go ahead and get it. And I'm going to throw this out to the people. You choose what we put in, in the middle field. You choose what we put in the end zones. And, and guess what? For all you marketing people out there with the Browns, you probably didn't even think this would move the needle. This is one of your biggest stories. Everybody's running around. I see people in the store, Giant Eagle. What do you think they're going to put on the field, G. Bush? I'm like, well, I don't know. As long as it's something, not not a, a random orange circle. That is not. <laughs> <laughs> when you watch the Browns on TV, the graphic for the Browns is an orange circle. That's trash. And, br and Browns written in the end zone. And Browns <laughs> in some <laughs> terrible script cursing. Give us a mascot. Give me some cheerleaders. That's the next thing we can get going on. And listen, and, and maybe and gotta maybe, have cheerleaders. We don't even got them. Maybe, but maybe. Here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> the next time y'all build a stadium, I'm gonna let y'all know something. If y'all attempt to put a stadium out there on that lake without no roof on it, I, I'm not voting for it. You ain't getting no. I don't even smoke cigarettes, go gambling, or drink alcohol and beers. I'm voting no. 
I'm voting no for all of the sin taxes. You better put a roof on that thing so I can go over there and do something else besides watch football. You start. It was a good start. You got you got you got my logo. You got the little elf doing his thing. Hey, we'll start with that. You, you holler at me when you, when you get to the to the what you gonna do in the lakefront. Hey, no, holler at OG. OG will tell you. Yeah, we, he, he, OG will tell we, you. On, I, was yeah, on, yeah, I was on. I was on that earlier. Yeah, OG will tell you. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I don't want to be cold, G. I want to just sit up here in seventy degree temperatures, sixty eight. There we Climate go. Climate control. There it is. I'm old, G. All right, uh, I'll wrap up with. I'm, I'm scared. I'm very little in the world scares me, but I am petrified right now for the future of baseball in our country and in particular baseball in our city went to the game Friday night mm. first place team home team White Sox come in here game and a half out of first place huge series so typically when you're in late August it's a gorgeous night with no promotion whatsoever that stadium should be 80% full particularly when your capacity is 35,000. When you consider it's 35,000, it should be full. In the old days, man, how our city has Mm. declined in population and in interest. If this game had been played in 1976 and the situation would have been exactly the same, there would have been 60,000 at Municipal Stadium, 60. There were 25,000 fans there. They were selling hot dogs for a dollar and the line for that throughout the entire game was a 15, 20 minute wait. There were two $2 beers and it was the best fireworks show I've ever seen. You guys that. haven't seen a Guardians I, fireworks I show that. this year. Elite. Friday's the Friday night was elite. the best yeah. I'd ever seen. And when I was leaving, everybody around me was saying it's the best fireworks show they had ever seen anywhere. It looked like the opening ceremonies to an Olympic games. <laughs> it went for 35 minutes. And I can't even imagine what the price tag was for that fireworks show. It was incredible. They do it every Friday, too. It's unreal. 25,000 fans. Mm-hmm. Tremendous game. First two hitters of the game scored for the White Sox. And it looked like the Guardians were going to be shut out. I mean, they just they couldn't get anything going. Late game rally. I think they scored one in the sixth. And they had a big seventh. And they ended up winning the game. So it was a perfect night. Great weather. Win for the hometown team that's in first place. Dollar dogs, $2 beer, and a great fireworks show. 25,000 fans. That's like as good as we can expect. And that's terrifying to me because I don't know how in the world baseball works long term. I know the new deal with the city keeps them here for a number of years moving forward. But beyond that, I don't know what can be done that can recreate interest in this baseball team because it's just not there now and there's no reason for fans not to be going to games. So I'm terrified. Well, I mean, doesn't you, look good. You got a good point. I think it is beyond just the Guardians in town. It is Major League Baseball's issue. Uh, Other club, stadiums the, don't have a hard time selling out. Well, the, pro- on, the problem is like here, that. you got to get you got to get in the weeds here. They're, they're letting interleague, they're, they're letting interest in the game wane, right? Yeah. I mean, we have to pour, you have to pour so much money into these local organizations to try to get interest in and they're up against big time players. I mean, people, they're running to the, the kids are running to soccer. They're running to everything else yeah. as you can think of but, because but it's being promoted. I would just compare apples to apples. Our other stadiums, even though their attendance figures aren't what they used to be, 
They're not. They're they're down nominally. Guardians Ours are down are tremendously, in and we're, we're we're in the bottom yeah. five in the league. The, the question is, what, but what's being promoted in this town? The Indians and Browns are being promoted in this town. Everybody knows exactly who they are, right? You, I just, I just. That's why I'm you, scared. You don't even know who the players are, <laughs> and no one's coming. No one's coming. <laughs> That's the it's problem. Terrifying. That's the problem with the baseball here in this town. Bull, is there an answer? We got two minutes. How the hell do you fix this? Because uh, what 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 Tom talked about is exactly part of the problem. Yeah, I, I, no team will ever but, compare to the mid nineties. I, I don't think so. Why should no, I waste my but time? We, and money? But, but knew, <laughs> no, that was a great but, question. But we knew who Ramirez was. We knew who Ramirez was. We knew who Albert was. We knew who Kenny was. The other part of it, they used to be in the city. You would see them all the time. I ye't yeah. see these dudes. Yeah, but that's in every city. Yeah. But and, and no, I'm just talking about the connectivity. Yeah. That's yeah, that's, where it but comes that's in. a problem everywhere. I I, I think um, there's a problem I, in Chicago. I don't think it's a great. A. I don't think there is a good answer because you can <laughs> say, well, either. that's why I'm scared. My first reaction was maybe they doubled double the payroll, but they did in 2017 yeah. after they went to the World Series. Yes, and attendance didn't go up much. It's, it was they, better they, than they, it is now, but marginally they were yeah. still way in the lower half. Right. And mostly the lower third. Yeah, I don't. I think that's it. It's not. I. I don't think we're going to lose the team because there's plenty of other situations that are even worse. There are. Well, what scares me is the population shift in the United States is is beyond underway. It's right. Way past that. Right. The Charlottes, the Nashvilles, the Vegases. Vegas. These are cities whose population shift has so dramatically changed from just say even the 80s, 90s. These cities are. Dying to get more pro sports, right, right, right. And Nashville, the way they support not just the Titans but the hockey team there, even Montreal, very, it scares me very, because those teams, those cities, all want what we have. Very right. quickly, I will tell you, Nashville is chasing an MLB team. They are chasing. They have been they for are, over a decade. They're chasing. Charlotte, same thing. Yeah. Vegas really wants baseball. No doubt, they want every sport there. So yeah. we could be in trouble. Yeah. All right, we're out of time. We're sitting on a 22-hour break. We're back tomorrow. You want to promote anything on tomorrow's show? We got Aditi. Aditi's back. She did a great job, by the way. She asked Miles Garrett about playing offense. Yeah. And he talked about it during the game. And she and her family had dinner with my family and I at my house over the weekend. So we can break that down. We need stories. (laughs) We're back tomorrow. We'll see you at 11 o'clock Eastern time on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Have a great 22 hours. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.